everyone. It is Angie Morgan Wachowski. I'm with one of my most favorite people, Ben Whitey. How are you? Angie, it is great to be back here on Bet on You Radio, where we are hearing amazing stories from ordinary people to help you have an extraordinary life. And some of the lessons we've been picking up from the Porter Brothers and what we're going to be hearing today from Allison, I'm really excited about. But uh, before we dive into that, how are your New Year's resolutions going? Oh my gosh. Everybody hates me right now because I am a goal junkie. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many goals and so many ideas. And everybody in my family is like, can you just stop? And like not involve us in them. <laughs> oh, so so you, you make goals for other people. No, 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 no. I'm just a mogul. Of, like I try not to do that. But, but it's like. You know, I just have so much energy. Like, why don't you read more books too? We can do this together. Like, I'm a joiner. Oh, because you, know, you want everyone to like be the best version of themselves. I know. So, what what advice do you have for someone who's trying, who might have a lot of goals laid out for this month? Because I know everyone wants to, you know, get healthier, and that's something we all want to do. And usually, that's coupled with something in business, something in life, work life balance. How do you balance all those goals? I have the best advice for this: start small. I think we all have like these grand ambitions. But just start small. So I'm going to go to the gym 25 days of the next 30 days. No, maybe just try 10. Like Mm -hmm. cut it down. Like take your goal, dial it down a bit because you want to sustain it. Like that fast change never is really sustainable. What about you? What advice do you have for goals? Well, this is great because so a friend of mine, this happened on New Year's Eve. He hit me up with this email. It says, hey, you're invited to join this group of friends who are going to do something active every single day in January. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll try it. And I'll be honest, I was hungover on New Year's Day. And it gets like, <laughs> what are you going to do today? Be active. And I was like, I looked at the list and I realized the activities in my mind were like, you know, running four miles or sprinting or bench pressing lots of iron or whatever the guys do. And I, I looked at iron. the activities and it was like, take a walk, meditate for five minutes. And I was like, I can do both of those things. So going to you, start small and just realize that even if it's only a little progress, it is progress, and it's getting you closer to the big goal. Another thing I always like to do is habit stacking. So for me, I have ADHD, so sometimes it can be difficult for me to start new habits. But if I can attach them to a habit I already have, uh, it makes it a little bit easier. So I'm taking this allergy medicine. I always forget to take it, but I realized I could take it while I was using mouthwash in the morning because I always do that. That's a habit I have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's how I make myself do it. Habit stacking. I like the habit stacking idea. No, I, I think so too. I have want to start, uh, we were just actually in Paris. I love saying that so casually, like it's such a small <laughs> thing. But for those of you who don't know, Ben and I spent a lot of time on the road and we just started collaborating on a new project that involves some international travel. So this is like a big deal for us. So to casually say like, we're going to Paris. But anyway, when we were in Paris, I felt just really like, an idiot because I couldn't (laughs) speak anything like I should know how to ask you know how to go to the bathroom in a different country so I am trying to learn just acceptable language specifically French because it sounds so beautiful it does Duolingo my wife has my wife has a streak of like 1000 and like 200 days on Duolingo I'm so proud of her I have a streak of like no days oh yeah so you yeah I remember your French Right. Yeah, my French is spectacular. De croissant, and that was like it. Oh, crepe! I got crepe Crepe, and cafe. Like I can order a crepe and a cup of coffee. Like nobody's business. Oh well, it's so incredible because people ask me, you know, how do we end up getting the work where we end up traveling and doing all this cool stuff? And it's not through SEO. It's not through marketing. We didn't put out some email blast. Uh, It was through our network and just people we already knew. And I think that's what's so great about our guest today is she is a network powerhouse absolutely and she actually networked us together which um 
has been amazing, actually. Right. We, we were able to go to France together on a client project because of this person. Yeah, she introduced us. She did, and I just love it. Like, she's like, you're doing cool stuff. Ben is doing cool stuff. Why don't you go have a cup of coffee? And, you know, it's not always works out where you network with somebody or get introduced to somebody where it's a hit. Sometimes it's like, okay, this, there's it's good to know you, but there's not necessarily a relationship potential. But you network just to kind of put yourself out there, get interesting ideas. But you know what, Ben? It was a hit. <laughs> it was a hit. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. What Allison does so well is like, I don't know what benefit she got from introducing us, but I don't think she was looking for a personal benefit. I think she was just, she saw two people that she thought could work together and she was right. And she does that all the time. And for those of you, I don't think I've officially said the name. Allison Beers is our guest today. She is the the owner of Events North, a major you know corporate event planning company here in Northern Michigan. And she is an absolute rock star. Yeah, in every aspect of her life. And I think, too, what you said is really important um, because you're going to hear this theme continuously throughout Bet On You Radio is that to grow and develop yourself, you need people. People who are doing things that you want to be doing, you can reach out to them. Most people are flattered to say, hey, how are you doing? What it is that you're doing? Can you teach me? Can you share it? Like most people are like, absolutely, yes. But for Allison, it's not about what can I get? What can I get out of Angie and Ben being interested? She's like, really, no. Like, this is more about divine reciprocity. You put goodness out in this world. You make introductions. You meet people. You see where those relationships can take you. And it's just the journey that she finds herself on. And it's and, inspiring. You know, yeah, what's, it is inspiring. And what's a, another wonderful thing about Allison is she's just a human first. She realizes that it's not all about the bottom line. It's not all about work. She has an incredible work-life balance. And I'm excited today to find out a little bit more about that so that she can share, you know, or help me do the exact same thing. <laughs> Are you not balanced, Ben? I'm never balanced. I am as balanced as a, I don't know, trapezoid. Are those balanced? No, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> not, not an equation. Right, yeah. <laughs> You're about as balanced as Angie Math. Yeah. <laughs> Angie Algebra. Angie not Algebra. So balanced. I love it. Oh. <laughs> it's funny to, to hear you say that too. And I look up to people like Allison and you'll see her everywhere in the community knowing everybody. And I'm actually... Um, you know, slightly introverted. It's funny to, to be slightly, I am introverted, but to be out here too talking, it's, it certainly takes a lot of drain on me to engage, but I love it because <laughs> I love people at the same time. So it's kind of paradoxical, but she is somebody who you can tell just gets her energy from people kind of like you do. Uh, a little bit, a little, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Allison. Hey, welcome to bed on you radio. Thanks. Nice to be here. We're so excited for you to be yeah, here. We're excited because actually Allison is really important to Angie and I because I don't, you introduced us. It's my favorite hobby. Introducing people. Making friends make friends. Yes. You are like the check-in sheet when you, anybody moves to Traverse City. They have to go through you to get through everybody I don't know about else. That, but <laughs> I do, do. I do they love, do. I find absolute joy in connecting people and having them, like two cool people connecting cool people. How did that happen for you? Like how did that come about? Um, when I... When I first moved here, I met a few people, and there was someone who did the same for me. And I okay. realized you meet really cool people by connecting other people with other cool people. I have a sense you've always been a social butterfly, though. Um, yeah, I may, may have had a few report cards that said, stop talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Yeah. Yes. Can we start off by you just sharing your story, like where you yeah. grew up and what your life was like when you were young? So I grew up in Detroit suburbs of Wald Lake. Um, and when I was a kid, it was the last one before corn. And now it's a little more built up. So it's, you know, it was all the way, you know, 45 minutes from Detroit. So mm -hmm. when I say Detroit, they're like, you're not from Detroit. Yes, I'm from Wild Lake. <laughs> and um, 
I don't know. I, I've got two awesome parents that are still married 50 years this past year. Wow. And uh, a brother who's my best friend. And we, I will admit that we totally fought like cats and dogs when we were kids, though. And now we're really close. I talk to him almost every day, and we're super tight. It's great. And, um, yeah, I, I liked where I lived. I, I liked Wald Lake, but it wasn't until I moved to Traverse City that I knew you could love where you live, which is kind of cool. But, um, yeah, so my, my dad was uh, um, a manager at a car lot and then went on his own, and I kind of watched him become an entrepreneur in his 40s, which was kind of cool. And my mom worked midnights to be home with me during the day as a kid and then went and worked in a drug and alcohol rehab all through like middle oh school and high school years. Oh, gosh. So she was like the intake counselor who would meet them and decide, you know, get their names and information and check them in. And um, so pretty, you know, intense job there. Does uh, your mom have the, the same love of people that you do? Is that where you get it from? I think so because, you know, she was the one that um, – She's the Catholic in the family who got us going to church and volunteering mm-hmm. and kind of instilled my volunteerism that I, I still feel like is a huge part of me today. Um, she would get us out, you know, going and collecting items into baskets and making, you know, Thanksgiving baskets. And she would deliver communion to the nursing home once a week. And mm-hmm. so just seeing, you know, what um, what it meant to her and that it was an important part of her life. So, yeah, that's that's where that comes from. You know, it's interesting as you're talking about having a dad who essentially is an entrepreneur and then a mom who had an intense job that was in the service industry. Was that a part of your dinnertime conversations? Like, how's your day? I'm exhausted. I'm stressed. Sales are down. Things are really tough right now. I don't think so. I, you know, I, I can honestly say I don't remember much of what our dinner table conversations were. It's much different than ours as a kid. We eat dinner every single night together, though, which blows my mind because my brother and I both played sports. We, I was in lessons for things. Like, I don't know how they do it because right now I'm like, here's an apple and some goldfish. Cool, we're eating dinner at night. Get in the car. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how my parents do this every night. I don't know how she came home from work and made dinner every night. I'm exhausted. Well, what does she sleep? Home. I, I mean, that's the yeah. crazy thing. So I did get the art of napping from her. So she would come home and say, I'm laying down for 15 minutes. And your brother do not come in here and wake me up. And then she would get up and make dinner and fold laundry and drive us around and do all the things and keep going until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. I am the master of the 15 minute nap. Oh, 15? How about you? Oh, yeah. oh, I wish, I wish. I if I lay down, it's going to be for 30 to 45 minutes. At least. The, yeah. And I, I say, please, please wake me up because I'll sleep way beyond <laughs> when I need to. I can set an alarm on my watch or phone and wake up 15 minutes, no problem. And I feel completely well rested. Well, it's it's obvious you got we're hearing a lot of things you got from your mother, you know, your ability to nap, caring about people. Uh, what about your dad? What did you get from your dad, would you say? Um I think the drive, so, you know, to, for, I think about it as an adult now that you knew, now he stayed in the same career when he started his business, but to all of a sudden just go out and venture on your own, like to, I mean, as a, as a, as a parent who's responsible for the income of the household, my mother as well, but like to just go out and do that. I mean, I, I bold. He, it's bold. <laughs> he took a bet on himself and, you know, and they, and he went, he went in. About so how old were you when he did that? Um, I think I was going into high school. I think I was about in ninth grade. Wow. Was yeah. there tension in the family over this big risk or was everyone no. just like, we're doing it? Let's, he let's knew it. a guy he was going in with and, you know, so it, it was a really easy transition and he loved it. He's very good at being his own boss and managing his own schedule. And so it, was very, very, it was a very smart risk. It was, it was a great smart risk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then what happened? Like you went to college, obviously, but yeah. did you want to go into business entrepreneurship yourself? 
No, I went to school as a vocal music major. That's I wanted I, to go be either. Did a, you know this? Uh, I did not know this. Really? We oh my gosh! Karaoke together? I, don't know. Um, I feel like there's. I an danced and sang like my entire life, and I went to school as a vocal music major. I either wanted to um, be a on Broadway. I was like, I can be backup. I don't care. Or I wanted to be a Disney um, street performer. Oh, no shame um, in that. I was don't like, hide from that other, like, I didn't have the aspirations for like bell and stuff. I'm like, just let me do the jazz hands down the street. street That'd be performing. cool. You'd so, be great. You'd be great. Um, I have heard you sing, I guess, on Facebook posts or rotary shows. It's mostly shows. obnoxious singing now or in the car. What's obnoxious or, singing? Like when you sound good like and the you're rotary doing show. it? Okay. <laughs> what, your, when I sing loudly. And, what is your yeah. go-to karaoke song? Um, uh, probably Because the Night by the 10,000 Maniacs. Nice. Oh, yeah. Or was it Patty that was my um, coffee shop song that I used to sing with my band? Oh, a band. Yeah. Yeah, I think that song was originally written by Bruce Springsteen. Was it originally? Then oh, Patty Smith. Then Patty Smith sang oh. it. And then, and then I, you know, I was a 1997 now graduate. So. Now it's Allison yeah. Beers. Well, you know what I love about Allison, though, is it's not just Allison Beers. You were at the time Allison Moore, and then you became Correct. Allison Moore Beers, which I think is just magical. Well, it was pretty magical in college because all of our friends were like, you guys got to get married. It'd be Moore <laughs> Beers wedding. This is insane. <laughs> and then we did. So it worked out. Yeah. And there you go. So with that, um, um, you went to college and you decided that you didn't want to be a vocal major or did you just go with that degree and no, see where so it takes, I, what happened? I got there in the middle of my freshman year. I was like 1.70 my music theory class. Why is that? Alex? I didn't get it. I mean, for all the years, <laughs> my parents spent so much money on lessons and spent so much time and effort and energy. Like I did everything musical and all of a sudden I was thrown in this class and like I knew how to read music. But I didn't know what they were talking about. I felt like to me it was like a 300 level class. And by the first exam, I'm like, cool. I have no idea what they're talking about. I would show up and try to understand. I had a tutor and it made no sense to me. And then, you know, I missed my camaraderie of my peers in my choir. And I kept going to choir and I just, I wasn't connecting. I wasn't making friends there. And I had one friend, Stephen, and that was it. And I just, I hated going to class every day. And finally, I'm like, I don't. I don't think I like this anymore. And I came home from Christmas break and told my mom and dad, I'm like, I, I hate this. I don't want to lose anymore. And they're like, cool. So we're paying for Albion. What do you want to do? Like, <laughs> you better figure it out. And so um, my mom helped me a little bit. I realized I had been planning events and meetings um, since second grade. So through student council, through student senate, through whatever I could get my hands on, I planned everything, everything I could plan. And so I didn't know that there was an industry out there. Was there an inciting incident or a specific story that like led to that realization or did it just hit you one day? Uh, well, I went to, um, well, this is funny. It's actually, it's called ILEA now, but it was called ICE at the time. Mm -hmm. I, they didn't brand, rebrand quickly. I'm like, really, ISIS? You're going to stick with that for a while? <laughs> the International <laughs> Special Event Society. I went to a meeting of theirs. It's a great association. I know, right? Great association. I went to a meeting with my mom. My mom and I went and toured um, uh, the Toledo College where like Elvis had performed and the security guy talked about that and I learned about the facets of the industry and I was like that's it I'm in I'm You're all in. in this is my thing quick journey from ISIS into the event <laughs> management but actually ISIS is an acronym for something else that later had a rebrand pick up from there Alice <laughs> so I, I got involved as a student in this association the International Special Event Society, and started going to meetings and then um, and I changed majors to an English major because it seemed like a really well-rounded thing to do. I read books for three years. Basically. That's what I did too. English <laughs> yeah. major. What do you it. want to study? I yep. just want to read. I just want to read books. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. And then um, I started taking some internships 
And I just, the first one, a lot of it was more PR. And this is, you know, early on. So my mom is asking Jeeves, you know. What oh, is yeah. you yeah. could ask Jeeves? Ask Jeeves things. Oh, you know, there's no Google. So she was asking Jeeves, you know, public relations internships. So I found one in um, Chicago and I went out there for an internship one summer. And then I found an event planning one because I realized, okay, it's not PR. I hated writing. And this is a word processor days. So you had to print off the press release, go get photos printed and mail them to the newspapers and then call them and say, did you receive the photo? That was my job all summer. Did you receive our press release? Okay, I'll print another and I'll put it in the mail. Um, it was a great job, but I, I really liked the event planning aspect. We did a couple um, press parties mm-hmm. and that's where I really enjoyed the, the detailed part there. So... Um, so I took another internship the next summer doing mostly sh- social events, mm-hmm. weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, and one corporate event. And then I realized I don't want to do social events. Why is that? Um, I didn't like 13-year-olds and what to do. And I didn't like um, – I, I just felt, you know, there was so much um, passion behind the money that was spent for a wedding where with the corporate world, and this is what I learned as I got older too, is there are goals and there are budgets. And I'm very good at hit, hitting both of those. When there's passion behind and someone's crying about a, now it's a Pinterest flower board and, um, you know, their color pale, that's not really my jam. My jam mm-hmm. is the organizational details and, um, and removing the emotion behind the dollar where it's more of a, I know I want to get this job done and I can nail it for them. Mm-hmm. And no one's crying over, over their, um, you know whatever it is that didn't go quite right at a wedding. <laughs> Have you ever had any kind of emotional mishap at a corporate event? No. No. Oh, that's bad in a thousand. That's great. No, I, um, no. no it's mm. been pretty, it's been great. I, I, I'm baffled that people pay me to do what I love doing every day. That blows my mind. So, so yeah. you graduated, you got a job. Where was your first big move out of college? Um, we moved to Philadelphia. So when my you say now we, husband, yeah, yep. my now husband, uh, my boyfriend at the time, um, he had an internship at the stock exchange out there, and they offered him a job after. So we went out to Philadelphia. Because in my Midwest mind, I'm like, everybody goes to Chicago. Let's go to Philadelphia. So I went out there, and um, I spent four years just kind of learning the craft and learning the industry. And I got to work for two of the world's largest meeting and event planning companies, which is kind of cool. What are they? Um, I don't know. Well, they're, they're both no more closed now, but they're both, you know, global, an office of a global company. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, with thousands of employees all over the world in every country, which is kind of cool. But I, um, I got to do some really cool stuff in Philadelphia. And my favorite one, though, was probably – um, I got to work and plan the opening of the Philadelphia Eagles football stadium. So Are that was kind of cool. The opening um, of the whole stadium. The brand new Lincoln Financial. I don't know if it's Lincoln Financial anymore. I don't know. What anyway, it is. whatever it was, um, we had to plan an opening fundraising carnival for their nonprofit. And I flew my mom out. She came and worked with me, and that was super cool. So. And you must have traveled a ton then. Um, no, we did a lot of stuff right in Philadelphia. Really? Yeah. So uh-huh. a little bit of travel, but not a ton then, um, which is good. As, as you yeah. were learning all these things, did you have a mentor or someone specifically that was helping you, or did you just kind of pick it up on your own? Um, so back to ISIS, the, the, the group, <laughs> I, I, I was a board member of um, the association out there, and there were some, I mean, I was young, I was 20-something, and everyone was probably currently my age in their 40s, mm-hmm. and they were a lot of great mentors. But also the godfather of event management, um, Dr. Joe Jeff Goldblatt, who wrote all the books on event management, he was out there, and he taught class at Temple, and he let me come teach classes with him. And so it was really cool um, having you know that kind of leader out in, in Philadelphia. Did someone introduce you to him, or did you take like the initiative to find him and be like, hey, I want to learn from you? 
I don't remember. I, you know, I, I remember just one day him she took meeting the initiative. somewhere. Yeah. I, probably, <laughs> I probably stalked him at a networking event. Was right. Like, oh, so nice to meet you. I was like fangirling, I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah. One of the things I really respect most about you, Allison, is that you did that at such an early stage of your career. I think during, you know, you know, critical moments in people's careers, like during the pandemic or even in the past couple of years as people have been job hopping and job swapping, is that they realize they should have been developing their network 20 years ago. So they had those tight relationships. That's something that you've been doing throughout your career. Hence, when we started talking about how Ben and I got to know you, it's like you're just a continuous networker. I love it. I can't stop. I, I love, um, I love learning about people. I love, you know, just I don't know, making the connection to figure out, um, you know, what I have in common with people. I, I love that. I always have. Would you say, if you were to say that you had one superpower that's helped you kind of achieve all the things you've achieved, what would you say that superpower is? Is it a love of people? Lack of sleep? I don't know. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> Alcohol? No, it's organization. <laughs> I, it really is. Organization. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm an organizational nerd. I've got spreadsheets. I've got um, project management software. I've got to-do list. I don't trust my brain with anything. I set timers all day long. Um, I re- I, it's organized. What's a day like for you? Like, what's a structured day? Is it even in your personal life as well? Um, yeah, to an extent. I mean, you know, trying to cart two kids around and uh, with my husband and figure things out. And um, yeah, so it's, it's organized. But, you know, the one thing that I, I really pride myself on is we leave work at four and I'm a mom. So and we make time um, at our office for family. Like you don't miss a school function. You mm-hmm. don't, you know, when we're home, cause we do travel for work when we're home, you're the one who does the appointments because guess what? When we're, when we're out of town, it's all on your spouse to figure that out. So, um, yeah, so I, I, my day's pretty structured. I start with bringing the kids to school. Adam usually gets them ready, which is great. And then we get them out the door and I bring Anna to school and then I come in and we usually start with a, a team meeting, kind of get on the same page, go over our project management, what's going on, what's coming up, figure out who needs help. And um, and then get working. You were in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You were hustling hard in your career, learning everything you could about event planning. But then you moved to Traverse City. How did that happen? So um, uh, Adam was finishing up uh, his MBA, and we had to do this thing where we were like, are we staying here or moving home? And he's from Traverse City. And so we kind of him and hawed and um, we knew we wanted to move back to Michigan eventually. We actually thought we'd end up in Chicago. We thought he'd transfer the stock exchange there, but he um, had left. And so we're like, well, let's give Traverse City a try. So we flew home, bought a house, came back. He gradu- it was in April. In May, he graduated. And the next day, we packed our moving van and moved home. Did you come back with jobs? Like, it's really hard to find a job in, like, there's no Wall Street. I don't know if you know this, but there's yeah. no Wall Street or um, anything. No, there's not. In fact, it's not. Uh, he got a job at Fifth Third. Okay. And um, I forget. I, I'm going to say it wrong. He's like a sixth or seventh generation banker. And um, even his, his grandpa was in that building. And so it, it meant a lot for him to come back there. Okay. Oh, that's cool. And so um, I didn't have a job, though. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I went from Philadelphia to... <laughs> This very small town, and <laughs> I didn't know what events, I was going to yeah. do. I mean, this is pre-camera um, phones and stuff, so I had to call my girlfriends. I'm like, I'm waiting for a blinking light and a turkey to cross the road. And they're like, shut up. <laughs> like, I'm not lying. <laughs> um, but I ended up finding uh, this incentive planning company, and I worked there for a little bit. The problem was, though, everyone was in their 40s and well-settled, and I took a big step back in my career from you know management level to then coordinating again. And I just wanted to do more. I'm like, just give me more responsibility and pay me more. Just 
<laughs> so um, I'll just do it. And so, um, and it was cool. I mean, who quits a job where you're flown to Monaco and you watch the International Firework Festival and have a black tie event at the casino and you're wined and dined. And I, I quit shortly after that. And my family is no like, one does. I'm sorry, do. what are you doing? Like I took a train to Italy and bought a table linen one day. And I mean, so I, I quit that job though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just knew, I knew I wanted something different. And so I worked for a local marketing firm for a bit and they said, oh, we're going to start this meeting and event side that you're perfect. This is great. I went to work for them. And then I had my daughter, Anna, in 2008 in February. And I came back. And within one month, they were like, cool, so your job no longer exists. Oh. And so I had got the LLC for Events North shortly before that. But I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I wasn't sure. I thought, maybe, maybe someday. I don't know. We'll see. And um, so I came home from work, and I'm like, I don't have a job, and I got a baby. And well, how was that for you? Was that like emotional, challenging? Were you I, zen about it all? I was. I was. I couldn't believe it. I just knew. I, I like working. I love working. I can't imagine. I, I, you know, looking back, I probably could have been like, cool, I'm just gonna stay home and have kids and figure it out later. But I, I really like what I do. I love what I do every day, and I knew that. So um, my banker husband. With his full support, was like, you got to do this. And I was like, okay, I'm all in. I went with one client, and um, I started Events North out of – it's my son's bedroom now, but I went <laughs> home for uh, three and a half years, I think, before I got an office downtown. That sounds like it was such a fast decision. There was no, like, pros and cons list, no, like, what if it doesn't work? It was just like, you know what? Here's the option. Let's go for it and just full steam ahead. I did mail uh, my resume out to several, like, larger event planning companies all over the country and just said, hey, this work remote thing is totally cool. I should do it. And this is 2008. Yeah, you and were, you were ahead like, of the well, curve on that one. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, I, and all were like, no, not really. Um, but there was um, – they all were like, great resume. There's no jobs right now. We're not hiring. No one had quite figured out that we were heading into the recession. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah. It was insane. It was it was pretty quick. So when you when you have that that the immediacy of needing that to, to start working quickly, like what's what helped you? Was there anything in particular other than just like getting your butt in the seat and doing the work? My network. So I reached there out you go. to yeah, reach out to Doug <laughs> Shepard. I went to Albion with him. He wrote my agreement for me. I reached out to Emily Tyra, who I went to Albion with. Her husband made my website, made my logo, got everything up and running. And then um, I talked to my fabulous banker husband who did my books and helped me get projections and figure things out. So I used that network to get all the things I needed in place to start my company. And it worked out great. Uh, now, in when you started building this network, because you've been doing this your whole life, it mm-hmm. was never with the idea of... Eventually, I'm going to use this network to my advantage. <laughs> right. It was just like, how do I get out of these right. people? <laughs> right, right. I knew I trusted Doug. I knew I trusted Andy Tyra, and I, I knew it was in great hands. So I just, I just did it. And this was what year? This is about 15 years ago, wasn't it? Uh, this year will be the 15 year anniversary. Are we having tomorrow. a party? Of course we are. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like every five years we'll roll one out. So we had one for our 10 year, and I feel like 15's ready is also 15 oh, yeah. years, especially after yeah. the last like couple of years. The, uh, yeah, right? Now, here's the, the now just talking about how far it's come, mm-hmm. I know you would never brag about yourself. So with the support of your amazing team, how many awards has Events North won? Because I was at a special events meeting once and you guys racked in like four. Um, I don't, I 
don't know. Um, oh, we, we won Best Meeting and Event Planning Company for, I don't know, eight, eight, ten years. And then they stopped doing the awards during COVID. And um, everyone on my team has been in the Hall of Fame for Best Meeting and Event Planner for Michigan Meetings and Events. And we've got national awards for our planning. But the thing that means the most to me, though, are repeat clients. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of our clients since we started. And um, that means more to me than anything building those relationships and friendships. Can you talk though, as like the early days too, because that's amazing to, to hear now about your success, but in those first early years, again, when you have maybe your first client mm-hmm. or your second client, how do you deal with the stress of trying to get a business off the ground? And the uncertainty, I'm sure that helps yeah. induce the stress. Um, so I, I, did, I did work in the evenings back then because I, the, you know, my baby would go to sleep and then I I would tell Adam, I just got to knock some things out. So just getting the hours in, getting the things done I need to get done, just hard work, just lots of hours. And, you know, I do at all cost avoid after four o'clock. Now we work eight to four. Mm-hmm. I switched to four o'clock last year. It's amazing. It is mm-hmm. so nice to get home. <laughs> I mean, plus people need to go places. We had to drive them. They don't have their licenses yet. So, right. um, but yeah, just putting the hours in. I mean, and then, you know, Adam and I are exact opposites. So I'm the wound up, um, high energy one. And he is very low key and reserved and calm and patient and wise. And so he is my perfect balance to help me feel calm when I'm wound up. So it's great to have a partner like that. Yes. Yeah. It hasn't always been easy, but I want to particularly talk about the past few years. You know, event management companies really took a massive hit when people no longer gathered during COVID and there was no airplane travel to events. How was that experience for you? Um, I think I made, um, well, it worked out great. Thankfully, we've got a large base of clients that needed to switch to virtual and needed our help. So we did a lot of... um, almost like turning into a TV production where we would bring in a full studio and set up the meeting regularly, whether in a platform or in a Zoom, we had to learn all the platforms. We had to do all the COVID protocols. So I like to think I worked twice as hard for the dollar because I planned it and then Mm -hmm. we postponed it and then we planned it again and then we postponed it and then we did it virtual. You're right. And so um, (laughs) it was, it was, you know, I was just thankful to have the business. And so I I did put a lot more hours in that year. Um, And it, it was actually one of our better years, though, and we... 2020 was one of your better years. Yeah, because, like I said, our long-term our long term repeat clients needed help, and they needed our help, and they needed our guidance, and we had to go be the experts. So Meg in our office went and got a special certification in, say, like, hazard relief or something, I don't know, whatever it was to make sure everyone was safe, um, and then... Um, we made sure we knew every single platform out there and, and their inner widgets and workings mm-hmm. and and then lean on our, our AV producers to really, it was like producing TV segments. So live TV segments, um, some of them were recorded and then they were played after. But for the most part, people could still chat on through our apps that we use and, you know, ask questions of mm-hmm. the speakers. And then um, I really want to be in person though. I like people. I like the human connection. So right. it, it was hard. I, you know, I will, I will, um, you know, it, it was what it was, and it stunk. But um, I was fortunate to keep my team intact, and um, or I call them my coworkers. 
Yeah, well, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. I spent some time recently with Ben, and it was clear to me that he's an extreme extrovert. And I would consider you as extrovert, too. So what? I think about the, I know, yeah, isn't that crazy? Know, and I'm yeah. just like, you know, wow, this must have been a really difficult space oh, for extroverts. My wife says <laughs> I was like a, a Labrador at the back door just pawing to get out the entire <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Although it's made me more introverty, though. So I'm really picky and choosy about leaving the house now. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Is this, <laughs> is this hair wash worthy? Right, That's my question. I do <laughs> ask myself that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put the straightener out, man. This better be right. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's nice to be back. Back in person, though, and it was great to see the human connection when the meetings sort of come back together. What do you notice when people get together that's different than virtual? I'd love to, again, from your expert eye, when you see people talking and connecting, what are you observing? We have given them more downtime to connect. So that first meeting, we couldn't get them in for the content. They just wanted to chat, and they just wanted to be with people and hugging and, you know, and, and it was the soft entry, too, because for a while we had the stickers, but people wore, like, red means don't hug me. Right. Yellow means give me a little bit of space, and green means get her on in there and give me a hug. So we had, yeah. you know, for a couple. Give me of COVID, it, right? I know, like, yeah. I'll take it, I'll take it. You know? um, so it, it was, it was weird. And then, you know, this last year, it's, it's back to normal. It felt great. I think it is pretty back to yeah. normal. Is there any kind of reminiscence of just allowing, allowing people that time to connect that you think is going to stay going forward now that people can see the value of it? I do, I do. So. Um, most of our meetings, we've provided more time to continue to find that time to connect. So a lot of them want to share best practices, not just be talked to. We've also shifted where um, our attention spans are shorter. I what? noticed that. Yeah. So it, everything that we've really been been saying, make it TED Talk style. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Get them up and moving. Get them, you know, get them the content and get them on their way. But get them time to connect is the biggest piece. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that too with my work. I'm sure you've seen it, Ben, too. I, my content now, it's all micro content, you know, let me learn one thing. I don't have time or attention span for three right. things. I want one thing. I want it quick. Yeah. And then let me talk. And that's what they eat. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then they show each other. Yes. And let's go get the buffet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I think you've done very successfully in your career, and we talked about it with the networking, but just your community volunteerism and I'll call it community activism. You do so much. You're in Rotary. Let's start there. What yeah. do you do? Are you... I've been in Rotary for, I think, 17 years now. Isn't that crazy? I'm always, oh, my mom's going to hear this. I'm a mediocre Catholic, but I'm a great Rotarian. <laughs> I always say that. Sorry, I mean, mom. I, Describe, yes. I love it. So Adam's in Rotary, too. He's in the morning club, um, and I'm in the noon club in town, and I, um, I love it. It's just, it's giving back to the community. It is getting involved. I brought my kids to things, so... Again, bringing that, them back in the fold of, you know, you've been given a lot. Let's mm-hmm. take your time to give back to others. And, um, yeah, I, I love it. it. It's just, it's a great fellowship. Um, and, you know, I, I, will, I will admit, I thought when I was joining, I'm like, oh, a new network of people. Oh, no, now it's just buddies. Like, it's mm-hmm. friends. It's just, it's people I love connecting with. And, you know, whether it's going and bringing, doing a Munson Manor dinner or um, ringing the bell for Salvation Army with friends, it just... It's ways to get back with friends. I think that's a great lesson learned. I know a lot of people did make many moves during the pandemic. So if you want to immerse yourself in a community or find new friends, join a club. Yeah, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, it really is great. And then the the nice part is, too, is that, you know, our club has been blessed with um, the oil and gas money from – and we have Rotary Charities – and have gifted, you know, $60 million in the last 40 years to a five-county area – and I've got to serve on that board, and I've learned so much by watching the most amazing leaders in the room. 
So I, you know, I always joke and I tell Elaine Wood that I, I studied her for four years, watching her chair. I'd sit at the <laughs> end of the table and I'd watch her and see how she listened and thought and reacted. And it's just, it's, it's cool to get to serve with some really smart people. Again, another great lesson learned for professionals seeking to advance their career. Just like, yeah, be quiet, pay yeah. attention. And Elaine Wood, she's been mentioned several times here on Bet on You Radio as a role model <laughs> for anybody to follow. What else do you do? As far as um, keep yourself engaged outside of work? You know, so the last couple of years I've shifted. I, I only am on the Rotary Charities Board and then also the Small Business Association of Michigan. Um, so it's a couple board meetings a year. We travel and get together. Um, I, I love that. It's been the, one of the best tools as a business owner was to connect with other business owners and talk shop and, and best practices. And my other favorite, Bonnie Alfonso, one day was like, why aren't you a member? That it, are you kidding me? Like, shame me into it. So I, I signed on the spot because I, I have learned if Bonnie says it's a good idea, it's probably a good idea. So I, I joined that. and um, But other thing else, I've cleared the decks. I, I want to be home. I want to be with my family. I know I'm on borrowed time with them. I'm going to tear up. I like, they're going to be out of the house soon. So oh, I've got that going on them. right now. Yeah. I know. So I just want to be there and do all the things. I hear this story from start to finish and you just taking bets on yourself and one after one, you knocked it out of the park. You've built this incredible company. Has there ever been any time in your life that has been a struggle, that's been really, really hard, that ever made you think, you know, maybe I need to make a different decision? And can you tell our listeners how, how you handled that? Um, no, I still like going to work every day. Mm -hmm. But I did say, you know, my mom told me a long time ago when I babysat, you will know one day when you stop babysitting. When you don't want to be there, don't do it anymore because, you know, you're... People's lives are at risk, and and I, I kind of have that feel that same way about work. Um, I'll know when I'm done. I, I love being there every day, and I love the flexibility of owning my own company. I love that, you know, I get to make the rules, so family comes first, period. That's it, which came incredibly helpful this year when um, – so our daughter Anna was diagnosed with epilepsy – Oh. And it was a, a severe clear the decks. I'm actually still on a leave from Rotary right now um, just to be able to be there and take care of her and help her figure out and navigate this new normal in our house. And so um, I love that luxury. I love that I get to, to, to do what I want to do when I need to do it. And I love that our team follows lead and all went, we're, we're picking up travel. We'll go to Greensboro. We'll go to Omaha. Go be with your family. Because it is a lot for Adam to do all of it when I'm gone with all this going on. So, but she's doing great right now. She's um, almost at five months seizure free. The goal oh. is six months in Michigan, so it means you're well on your track for um, that. Must have been. I mean, I'm just thinking as a parent. Not just the diagnosis must have been wonderful, but the time before the diagnosis must have been just absolutely heart wrenching. Like two yeah. months of crying, and we're I mean, we're on a vacation out east, and she had a seizure while we were waiting for the Today Show. Um, and so, and I had sent Adam back to get our vaccination cards because we didn't need them on Broadway. So I was like, we don't need these. Let's not lose them. And he's, he went back to the hotel. And so it happened when he wasn't there. And so it was just Jake and I, and, um, luckily there were some first aid certified, um, people behind us, some teachers who kind of knew what to do. And I think of myself as a pretty calm person, but I will tell you, I lost my marbles. I was like, why aren't there people helping? Screaming, there's police officers standing there. I'm like, I'm sorry, I had no idea what was going on. So mm. she had a couple of seizures before um, we could get her to um, the hospital for a diagnosis. And um, 
it's been rough, but she, uh, she went from not wanting to tell people to this fall, she joined student Senate and is becoming a budding event planner <laughs> and saw what she could do. And she went from not wanting to tell people to raising over $8,000 and planning, um, and education awareness at for student Senate and telling her story for the first time. Of course she so. didn't. That's amazing. What's, that's, yeah. that's just, so that's my challenge. That's yeah. So, the, but that's, that's what makes it good about owning my company, you know, that's, but, Absolutely great. It's it's amazing to hear how you safety net is the wrong word, but relationships in your life have been so important for when times are good, when times are bad, when you need to pivot to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And now hearing your kids kind of having this self awareness that I hear in your voice when you talk about going into work and just being self aware as to how you feel about it. The what are maybe what are one or two lessons you hope moving forward that your kids can learn from you? Um, to never do something you don't want to do. Life is too short to do things you don't enjoy. And then have fun. I like to have fun. I'm a joker. I'm a prankster. <laughs> I know. I did not know this, but I'm, I'm so kind of glad, actually. I'm, really, I'm I, yeah. I know So this. my, my kids know, and I, I want to have fun. If you don't have fun in life, what are you doing here? So. Mm-hmm. Figure yeah. it out, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So part of uh, our program, too, is just asking you some questions about the wisdom and the things that inspire you, the wisdom that you picked up and the wisdom or the inspiration that you want to share. I'd love to start off with a book that you've read in the past. Can you share a book that has inspired you, that has given you perspective? <laughs> so as an English major, I feel like I read all I could read. And then... <laughs> You're um, done? <laughs> I've read it all. I've read all the classics. And then I started reading just junk, just absolute Well, have you read junk. a magazine article lately that you like? <laughs> well, I do read some books, though. So I, I, I did... Yeah, I, I, read, I read magazines. I read fun books now. But... And like I said, when I come home at four, I'm mom. So I try not to read business books in my off time. But I did read one after we had a great keynote speaker. His name is Paul Long. He wrote a book called Fun. And he's a character. I mean, he, he is, catches you off guard. He comes in in like a bright colored suit and you're like, this is too much for me. Um, and, but he's not. He's amazing. And he's, it's about finding your foundation um, and what your core is. And then, um, and then finding, learning about what others, where they're coming from mm-hmm. and understanding that. And then what's your next steps? So it's F-U-N. But like it's, uh, it's a really good, easy read, and I um, I enjoyed it. So I love it. Yeah. I wonder what the book was going to be called before you figured out that next steps part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matthews, uh, no, one's better. One's better. Yeah, yeah. Sounds pretty. Yeah. Can you share a piece of feedback that you've been given in your life that was illuminating to you? So I, um, I've had one other moment where I had this – my business was growing. I had a new piece of business on board, and I looked at my plate, and I just went, I, I can't do what I'm doing. I was serving on the, um, the boom, boom club. Oh, I've heard of that. Which is, yeah, fireworks. Yes. Say that. That's important. And I, I, I decided I had to, I had to cut something and it wasn't going to be my family. So I, I emailed the board and, um, I had been the president or I'd been president of other boards. I, I knew what it was, was to leave a board before your term is done. And I reached out to the board and I said, I, I gotta, I gotta clear the decks. And I got this great email from Chuck Judson. Um, and he was also an Albion grad. It's an Albion Mafia up here, by the way, in case you don't know. <laughs> and so um, Chuck just said, family comes first, and you'll never, you'll never, ever feel bad for making your family a priority. And I, I needed that at that moment. I, like, cried when I got the email. I saved it. Yeah. I love it. So this will be a duo question, questions three and four. Can you share a favorite activity that you like to engage in here and then a favorite restaurant or place where you get to eat? I love being outside. So the more we can be outside, the better. We ski. We boat. We fish. We I, I live here, and I feel lucky to get to live here. 
and uh, my kids love being outside. Adam loves being outside, so anything outside. And then I'm afraid if I tell people, more people will go there and we won't get in anymore. Um, I love S2S. That was Sugar that's to salt before too. Ugh. Oh, I hear Stephanie and Jonathan are magical. I I yeah, need to stop ordering the same thing, even though he tweaks it slightly. But the service there is great, and the food just blows my mind. Yeah, good to know. Last question: Can you share a piece of wisdom you've picked up along the way that you want to share with our listeners? Um, let's see, wisdom I picked up along the way. I think I joined. Actually, I started a CEO roundtable. Um, gosh, almost 13 years ago. And someone told me, I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get a group going. Cause there was already one formed and, um, they're like, make your own. So they told me to go find some people. And so I sat and thought about the smartest people that I knew. And that was advice of Bonnie Alfonso. She's like, go find the smartest people, you know, and ask them to start one with you. And so we all rounded up some super smart people and it was really cool. And they're, they were all, um, in different lines of work, but they've been a huge tool for me. So always finding the experts is is a huge piece. Thinking along that same spirit, yeah. Don't be afraid to be the dumbest person in the room. Right? I love it. <laughs> I don't mind. Like I, I, I'm not. I do not pretend to be ex- the expert ever, ever, ever. So I, I love making sure I'm asking the right questions and and learning as much as possible from others. Allison, it has been an absolute joy to hear your story. Thank Thanks. you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Thank so you, so much, you guys. This was great. Ugh. What an incredible episode with Allison Beers. I am thinking now about my work-life balance. I'm thinking about the boundaries that I put up in my life to protect, you know, my time with my family. I mean, and what boundaries do you put up around your life? You know, where could you put them up? Uh, what did you get out of today, Angie? Yeah, I was thinking about boundaries, as you said. I was wondering for you, Ben, how good are you at putting up your boundaries? I'm horrible. Your- <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yes person. I say yes all the time. And I had a mentor once that said, the act of saying no is simply exchanging popularity for respect and you can't get ahead without respect. And Allison is one of the most respected people I know. She is there 100%, but you also admire the fact that she just, she loves her family and she instills that in the people that work for her in her team. She gives them those days it's off. It's a to value. Sure. Yeah. It's a value of her that's operationalized in her business. I think about that a lot with the work that I do. I, you know, we both travel a lot. I have two young boys. Well, they may not refer to themselves as young boys. As I say this out loud, they're 17 and 12, <laughs> a little bit older than But But I think about that because Allison mentioned something that really hit home to me. It's like the days with my children are numbered. They're precious. They're valuable. So if I'm saying yes to any random opportunity, um, what I really am saying is no to my family and no to my values. And that's not good because I've got a son who's going to college next year. Mm-hmm. Like, Poor him, right? I want to soak up every minute with him. I find myself staring at him, and he's looking at me like, Mom, can you stop staring at me? <laughs> but it's oh, true. Interesting perspective. Whenever you say yes to something, you're more often than not saying no to something else. That's important so, to you. So that's a great question to say. If I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? You know, if I say yes to this uh, small opportunity, I'm saying no to writing a book. If mm-hmm. I say yes to this, I might be saying no to spending time with my family. So making sure that you're just cognizant and aware of that, because Allison was so self-aware of how she feels about her job, how she goes through her days, and just also about how important her network is. She referred to it more than once as kind of, you know, develop that network because it's your safety net and it's what's going to give you leverage as you try to build your career. And yeah, go through adversity and difficult. It doesn't sound like she's had a difficult day in her life, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure she has. Well, she did talk about, of course, that heart 
rushing story of her daughter, mm. Anna, but, you know, it seems to me that the people who she rounds her, surrounds herself with sustain her in such important ways. And maybe that's my takeaway, too. And maybe the takeaway for all of us is how intentional are you with surrounding yourself with people who lift you up? And I know we don't have a hand in selecting all the people who surround us in, but how selective are we in choosing whose opinion gets to have influence over how we feel about ourselves? Because there should be a filter there. There should be. And there's a mentor of mine named Vin who uh, always said, you know, you are, are the direct reflection of the top five people you spend your time with. Oh, that's so good. choose them very carefully. Choose them very carefully. Well, friends, we look forward to checking in with you again on Better New Radio. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And there is many great more episodes to come. Have a great rest of your week. See you next time. <laughs>